bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the fed. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict and my hope was found in a needle. eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't Freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses Freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Jonathan McClure. Hello. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. One Broken Life is a, a production of Freeway Ministries, and we share the intimate details of people's lives. And uh, we believe the bigger the mess, the bigger the message sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can God do with one broken person? You know, um, my favorite, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 5117. And it's just a theme verse for us here. And it's, uh, it's the sacrifice of God or a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It says God won't despise those two things, mm. uh, brokenness. And then uh, Philippians 1.12, uh, Paul says, and from a prison, he says, Brethren, I want you to know the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And uh, we're going to talk about the things which have happened, yeah. and we're going to talk about what took you exploring your life from that broken mess into this beautiful message that God has given you, Jonathan. And I'm so excited for our friends uh, who are watching and you to be able to share your story, share your ministry. Uh, you're a good friend, and, um, and I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of what God's doing in your life. And so I'm just going to ask you to share a few things. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you to share is just could you give our listeners um, just an idea of what was your life like? What was your life like growing up? So we... Um it was pretty unstable. Uh, my dad, he was a telephone oper uh, operator, and so we traveled from school to school to school, wherever the telephone line took us. And uh, <clears throat> I think they said we went to about 14 different schools before we ever graduated. It was kind of a, an adventure, but um, it was a big party. I remember big parties. You know, we would always end up at the lake, and parents was partying and smoking weed, and um, it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it started young. I remember very, very young. Dad was not home a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I still, my mom's still alive and I still want to honor her. And we've kind of made amends there, but, uh, uh, she was, she was my number one using buddy. So, but yeah, it started around nine years old is when I first started getting high. So, so how, how old were you when you started using drugs with your parent? Uh, I would say probably 12 years old. Me and mom started smoking weed, and she would allow me to drink alcohol and things like that. I remember, I use this a lot in the testimony when I give it, but I remember one time driving down the road, and uh, this man, he would, wasn't my dad. He would pass me 
some whiskey on one side, and then my mom was passing on the other, sneaking it from each other. And before long, I was drunk at like 10, maybe 12 years old. So um, your mom thought the guy didn't know. He, she wanted him to know, and he yeah. didn't want your mom to know. And I'm hammered at 10, 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm not defending your mom, uh, but I will say that a lot of times our parents do the best they know how. Yeah. You know, where I'm from, you know, not I'm not saying everybody in my family did this. I'm just talking about my environment. Uh, a lot of times folks would blow marijuana smoke in babies' faces because yeah. they thought it would calm them down yeah. and it would help them sleep. And they thought they were helping them, you know. And right. so it's really a cultural thing. Yeah. It's not that your mom didn't love you. Oh, yeah. It's that your mom, it's, it's, she was doing what she knew how to do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, your drug use started at 9 or 10. Right? Yeah. Marijuana? Marijuana and alcohol. Okay. How long today have you been clean and sober? Um, 13 years. I have, um, there's been, I've had a couple slips in 13 years, um, but they didn't last long. The Lord grabbed me, picked me up, put me upside down and shook me and uh, got me back on the right track. But I have been chasing Jesus for 13 years. Amen. And so uh, let's kind of talk about what brought you to your place of brokenness. Um, what yeah. brought you to that desperate place? You know, we, we teach rock bottom is a state of mind, not a place. Yeah. And so, and, and I just try to reiterate this because I want people to know that are listening, watching, maybe someone didn't watch an episode I spoke about this on, but um, people will tell me, well, I don't know how much more bad, how how much worse it can get for this person, because they've lost everything. They had a tragic death. They, I mean, you, the worst. You just imagine the worst thing possible happening, and yeah. they'll say, "I don't know. I don't know how it could get worse than this." But I tell them that you know that bad thing could bring them down the road to the place where they finally come to a rock bottom state of mind, right. to where it doesn't take the same severity of a situation to bring them to a broken place but all those things piling on them one day you know they uh, blow have a blowout right one day their car breaks down in addiction in that moment in yeah. their mind they come to that rock bottom place you yeah. know and so take us through the journey jonathan briefly if you would a few minutes five ten minutes whatever uh what brought you to your to your broken place so it was a year, years and years of compilation of addiction, the same old story, trading. I was looking for God. I wasn't raised in a household of God. Um, I think I have to mention this just to give God the credit where credit is due. My dad got church hurt, I found out. When I got his diary when he died, I found out the deep what went on there. And the reason why I wasn't raised in a Christian home is because he got church hurt and he ran. And so he made a pact never to force religion upon us kids. And so in my house, there was uh, Buddha, incense being burnt. We'd play with Ouija boards as little kids. Um, but along the way of me chasing drugs, relationships, women, all these different things, anytime I'd cry out to those other gods for peace, you know, Buddha was supposed to be in peace, and he never did. Um, but... Uh, so I want to just kind of set the stage like that and I've tried everything well 
um, finally my life was completely out of control and, and uh, I really was going to kill myself. I mean, I was to that point. And uh, this particular night when it, when it was to the point of break, um, the girl that I was with at the time, she told me flat out, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat on you. And uh, I said, no, you're not. And I took her to the bar, dropped her off at the bar. And um, I left out of there, and I already had a bunch of pending felonies. I was on my way to prison. And um, I dropped her off there at the bar, left. I came back, and uh, this man's like, I, it, it has happened. And um, so I got in the vehicle to go get the man. And when I did, a cop car got behind me, and I just was like, whatever, I'm done. And I got in my car, and I pushed the pedal to the metal, and I'm in Lebanon, Missouri, and I was going um, over 100 miles an hour in a high-speed pursuit because as soon as I left, the cops got behind me. And uh, <sighs> I topped over this hill, and I wasn't able to stop, and I had a gentleman with me. And, uh, man, it's crazy talking about this. <clears throat> when I topped over this hill, there was these kids parked at a stop sign, and I couldn't stop. I hit them direct impact from behind and uh, I remember waking up and I was in a I got air flighted out of there and I woke up and some time went by and next thing you know I wake up in the, in the jail and I'm 26 years old and I thought I had life figured out and I wake up and I kind of blacked out and then there's these tickets saying that I'm looking at 59 years in prison that's when I hit my bottom. <clears throat> I got down on my knees and I just, I remember a couple of evangelists going through my town telling me about this man by the name of Jesus. And uh, I got down on my hands and knees and I just said, Jesus, if you're real, help me because I can't quit. I'm hooked. I like this stuff more than life itself. And it doesn't do me any good anymore anyway to keep doing it. And uh, I felt peace. <laughs> And joy, and he filled me up. And I told him when I got, I got high. I mean, in a sense, the high that I've always been looking for. And I told him in my heart, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll try my hardest to humble myself and serve you. And uh, by his grace, I fell in love. I read the Bible day in and day out, and fell apart in that jail cell. And uh, it was my honeymoon with God. And, um, you know, that's, that's where it, that's my moment. So, when, What year was that? That was in 2010. Well, it's obviously you didn't do 59 years. Praise God. Because you're here. Yeah. You know, and so let's, let's just talk through that for a minute. So you're in jail. You've got a, a weighty charge. Yeah. What happens next? So I have a roommate in there. Um, and he was raised in church. And uh, at nighttime, we would stay up when everyone else was goofing off drinking coffee. He would tell me stories about King Solomon and all his riches and David. And I'm just like, I didn't know. You know, I'm like, whoa. He's like, you didn't know these stories? And I'm like, no. And he would always say, there's something different about you, Mr. McClure. He said, I don't know what it is, 
He said, but I see something different. He said, I think God's going to move a mountain in your life. Like, not me, man. I don't, I don't even know what that means really anyway, but not me. I don't deserve anything. He's like, well, none of us do. But I think God's going to do something different with you, man. I remember one day <clears throat> I was reading the Word, and I found it in the Bible, Matthew 17. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. He walks down the mountain, and these guys are trying to rebuke a demon out of a man. They're not able to do it. He's got a mountain in the backdrop, and you know the story. He rebukes them for not able to do it. He says, Oh, you a little faith, for surely I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing shall be impossible for you. When I read that, the Word of God came alive. And I jumped up out of my bed, and I started running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And I was like, Woo! <laughs> God, I don't deserve it, but God's going to crack me out of here. And uh, the inmates in there thought I was crazy. I kind of thought I was crazy, you know. I've never had a relationship with God, and all of a sudden, like, he talks back, <laughs> you know. And uh, so it was just this, it was an amazing thing, but that's where it started. And, um, you know, there's a lot more to this, and um, but we can probably spare some of the details, but uh, God did that very thing. So you did you go to prison? Not one day. And so you get out of prison and you, you entered into a transitional living place? Yeah, I, st I went before the judge, um, and uh, I felt like God was telling me to speak to the judge. And uh, I went and I talked to the judge on this certain day, and the judge said, Mr. McClure, I'm going to send you to rehab because where I'm going to send you after that, it's easier to get dope in prison than it is on the streets so I said okay <clears throat> so I got to go to this rehab and when I did these men from a place called the lighthouse showed up one Saturday evening had their heads held up high they wasn't ashamed they was comfortable in their own skin something that I always wanted and they talked about Jesus like they knew him and they worked jobs and it was like they had fun and it wasn't fake and I'm like I want that I want to be a man of God like that. And I put an application in, and to make a long story short, I, I was accepted into that program and, and was able to go there to the lighthouse. So, Amen. Yeah. And so um, have you ever been in treatment before that? Never. Okay. And so did you ever think you'd change? Never. I'm just looking through my notes here. Uh, let's talk about your church experience. So we both are in local church ministries. Yeah. Um, when did you get plugged into church? When did you start going to church and getting involved? And when did that start playing an impact? Because you got saved in jail. Yep. And now you go to a ministry that, well, it's not a church, right? And so um, we both believe in local church ministries, uh, yep. pastoral authority, being submitted to a pastor, being you know involved that way. And so as we talk through this, um, tell me about uh, just how you got plugged in. What was your first church involvement like? What was that like? So when we was at the Lighthouse, of course, we're required to go to church on Sundays, and that's kind of where it started. And uh, I started going to this church and getting plugged in. And uh, But as time went on, uh, I had a desire to go and be more proactive within the church and uh I was just praying. Honestly, I was, one time I was complaining to God. 
because uh, I heard all these other people say they went to youth group. I'm like, man, I missed out. Like, youth group sounded fun, you know. They tell me all these stories, and uh, I was just complaining to the Lord. One day, the man who was discipling me comes to the lighthouse, and he said, he said, hey, man, the youth group, um, they're needing helpers bad. They got like 100 kids there, and they're needing helpers, and they're about to go on this mission trip to the streets of St. Louis. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. And so I get plugged into this youth group, and I'm able to go and share. And I'll never forget uh, – one night, the youth pastor never showed up, and I heard the still small voice of God said, <clears throat> before anybody even asked me, he said, this is your night. The youth pastor didn't show up, and all of a sudden, one of the parents said, hey, John, would you care to get up there and share? And I was like, me? No way. You, you want to use me to speak? And um, I got to share a message, uh, first time ever in my whole life. It was on John 1-1. It was, it was pretty amazing that God can use, you know, me to speak to a bunch of youth. So, It is, it is amazing. Yeah. And we should all feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I don't care where we come from or, yeah. you know, what our background is or what our story is. It is a fearful thing. And it's also a very wonderful thing to yeah. be able to deliver God's word. Yeah. And so is that is that the moment whenever you realize that you were called, that God had called you into the ministry? Actually... When I was in jail, I felt that. And um, when, of course, some of these parents, once I got to serving, they're like, what is this kid that's in this, you know, the stigma of the halfway house? It was It's not a halfway house. We consider it an all-the-way house. But there's the stigma that goes with it. What is he doing? So he's checking my spirits. You know, he's a deacon of the church, and uh, he gets to know me. But uh, he's not. He just wants to get to know me. He's not too judgmental. And I said, brother, I think I'm. I think I got a call in my life to preach the gospel and he goes hold up and uh, he said this study we went through this study called experiencing God and he said it, uh, it God used it to help change my life and a bunch of other men's lives would you consider it I said yeah and we became really good friends and and we got to go through this book together but because um, I I told him, I'm like, I'm called to be a pastor or a preacher. And he's like, slow down. And, uh, but, yeah, he, he helped mentor me so much. But, yeah, it was when I was in jail. I just never thought it would ever be a possibility. So let's talk about your ministry. Yeah. So you start preaching, get involved, graduate the lighthouse. Yep. So uh, you, you want to share your ministry, name your yeah. ministry, uh, and then kind of how did it start? Take us on the journey because it's a long way from where you're where you where you're leaving off because you're yeah. you're you know you get you receive your calling from God you feel like you're doing what God calls you to do you're involved in a ministry uh, you know halfway house which isn't a halfway house but a, a men's home and uh, and now you're you feel called but today you're a pastor uh, you're overseeing men's homes you have an outreach and so the the, the gap between then and there let's talk yeah. about that for a minute. Yeah, so uh, the Lighthouse is a nine-month to 12-month program. I went, i done it one year, and, of course, I was looking at all that prison time. And so what happened was instead of doing 50 years in prison, the judge sentenced me to another year. So i done two years as a disciple there at the Lighthouse. Um, I transitioned out for two years and uh, locally there in Max Creek near Camdenton. And then uh, I got a phone call one day that asked me if I would 
um, consider going back to the lighthouse to be a director. So I've done that for two years. So overseeing the whole thing? Yeah, I'm uh, co-directing with another gentleman because the current leadership had fallen. And so they asked me to step up. And so um, it was a very humbling. I didn't know how to send an email, send a fax, um, none, none of that. And uh, it was a lot of pr- I learned how to pray when uh, God threw me in that thing with this other man. But um, so, yeah, I <clears throat> what they was wanting to do is send me there. They was going to let the ship sink and restart it. And it just broke my heart. I was like, you know, at the time it could hold 20 when I went through it. And at the time there was like eight. I'm like, we can't do that. There's people's lives here. And so I just gave it my whole heart and soul and put my faith in the Lord. And he restored it and put another leader in place that's doing awesome right now there. And um, But about a year and a half in, I started feeling a call to go back to Mountain Grove, my hometown. And uh, so I just started slowly going back and praying about a local church um actually you might not remember this but i remember even talking to you about it one time like hey i thought it would be a conflict because um uh, my beliefs a little bit with the free will baptist and and uh, eternal security and things like that but god ended up working this all this out so um i took a leap of faith and i and i moved back get plugged into this church and of course the uh, the preacher because in the meantime, I'm falling in love, you know. Um, God used this girl to kind of yank me down there. And the preacher's like, who's this guy? He's ready to check my spirits out. And um, But as time goes on, he starts to trust me a little bit. And uh, one day he asked me to lead a Bible study. And it just culminated from there. And uh, it's ironic because um, there was people getting saved that was coming out of addiction. But they didn't know what to do next. So they, they was praying to God that God would send them someone who understood addiction and that can help them um, with discipleship and help them with the process of what's what's next. You know, you're saved, now what? And uh, I'm not saying I had all the answers, but I, but I know that God sent me, you know. And so uh, that's where it started. And uh, they had this vision to start something like Freeway down there um, on a Wednesday night, uh, very similar to Freeway. Um, and uh, they started letting me be a part of that, being a speaker there. And then um, as time progressed, I had a burden to start a discipleship house to give these people who's going through Broken Vessel an opportunity to go to something like the Lighthouse or Freeway Discipleship House like I got to go through. And I remember calling the Lighthouse, and <clears throat> I said, we're ready let's let's open this house up and the lighthouse they said no it's too soon like um so i called the director and the director said jonathan um, you're trained you have all the stuff on your computer just change the name you know and uh, that's where it started man i i was i finally got my license back with a breathalyzer in my vehicle so i'm driving down the road um transporting chinese food all over the place saving my tips so I could one day afford to pay for the first payment of 501c3 to do that. And uh, God put lawyers and stuff in my life to be able to make sure that's all documented correctly. And it's, it's unbelievable. It's all God. I can't take no credit for anything. But um, in 2018, he slowly, it, so two years it took to do this, 
But in 2018, God had showed me who the board members should be. And uh, we stepped forward in a leap of faith, and we planted our first ministry house in 2018. And since then, um, we've planted one ministry house every year um, since 2018. And uh, last night at Broken Vessel, just to kind of give a big synopsis update on it. Um, and that's your outreach. That's our outreach, kind of like Freeway. Can you tell me what you do at Broken Vessel? <clears throat> just not for me, but for them. Yeah, so it's, again, a lot like Freeway. We have an, a night of we feed the community, anybody and everybody. It started with 10 people, and last night I think there was 230 to 250 people coming. And we have to utilize two different buildings. And So if you know anybody who has a building, I'm going to throw this out there. <laughs> Where at? We're in desperate need in Kabul, Missouri. Okay. Um, but we are packed in there like sardines. We have an air conditioner, but it's, it's so full. By the time we leave, it's like 85 degrees. But people are hungry for the Word of God. They're hungry for change. And um, I'll just boast in the Lord. Seven people got saved last night at this thing. Amen. But, um, you know. That's every Wednesday night? Every Wednesday what night. What time? At 6 o'clock. Okay. Cabal, Missouri. Broken have, vessel. If I come there, I can have a meal? You can have a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I got babies. I can have you watch my babies, too? We can watch your babies, All too. Right, we cool. do the whole deal. Go ahead. Thanks. Yeah. No. Um, but, yeah, um, we're probably going to be opening up another women's house maybe here. I, I, just something that just transpired this week to open up another women's house. And um, and then this latest, it's not the latest, but um, something that I was like, eh, I'm already pastoring, you know, I'm already, you know, I'm good in that area. Um, but I always knew that there was something deeper. And uh, as of the past year and a half now, I've actually been an associate pastor of, uh, of my home church there at First Day in Kabul. Okay. So uh, so it's a lot different for you now. It's a lot different. And you've got a family? Got a family. i got a beautiful wife. i got two children. And, uh, yeah. So let's let's get real here with each other. Uh, we're friends. And yeah. I know you got some health issues going on. Yeah. And... Uh, the next question is, what's life like for you now? Mm. And so as you got a lot of stuff going on and you've dropped some you've dropped some weight, take yeah. care of your health now, Yeah, you know, which is good. Praise yeah. the Lord. Congratulations on that. I know Amen. it's not easy. Yeah. Um, so tell our friends, like, you know, what's going on right now for you? How's life for you right now? Yeah, so I'd be a liar. Um, some people understand, some people don't. But I'd be a liar if I told you that I haven't been rocked lately. Um, as of the past six months of my life has been, it's been hard. Um, four years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, stage one fatty liver disease. Uh, a lot of it because of a diet, but all, also because of my past life had started, uh, it had damaged my liver a little bit. Once that happens, I, I just got into recovery. I took on a bad habit of eating and drinking soda pop, and I just I just crushed my liver. Well, I started not feeling good. My left leg swelled up tremendously, and I um, always wore khaki pants to hide it from everybody because it's embarrassing. Well, anyway, I finally went to a liver specialist, got all that stuff done, and about six, about four months ago, he set me down, and he said, uh, I'm 38 years old. He said, uh, Mr. McClure, your back's against the wall. He said, uh, something don't dramatically change in your diet. He said, you're going to die sooner than later. He said, there's no reversing it. Uh, it's stage four cirrhosis. 
And uh, he's like, you're in trouble anyway. He said, but if you are an, an anomaly and you're part of the 0.01% who's able to lose 135 pounds to stop the progression of the deterioration of the liver, he said, then you have you can preserve that liver for 20 years. But he said, if not, you're just a t- pretty much a ticking time bomb. So... <laughs> Uh, I had a come-to-Jesus moment. I lost 33 pounds in the matter of a month. Um, and the doctor said it wasn't coming off fast enough. And he highly recommended that I went and do a sleeve uh, surgery. So we went to Texas. We went and did that. Pretty much, yeah, it was a big deal. And uh, they, so they took my, most of my stomach out. And uh, here I am, 65 pounds lighter. I still have, you know, some weight to lose, but every day I'm losing, and I'm and I'm getting there. But I would be a liar if I told you that it has not uh, rocked me. But um, <laughs> it has renewed my relationship with God. Cause I'll just, I guess we're supposed to get real, right? Oh yeah. It's easy to know the word that's one thing but it's another thing to know the word so my devotion um, has been very caught up into ministry and doing and getting done and you know trying to help others but yet here I am drowning needing ministry ministered by the Lord or maybe even others but I got a wall that I'm okay you know because I'm a not trying to be like that I just don't know who to reach out to you know, and uh, so God, I'm not going to say he put this on me, but he has a way of using this stuff to humble us and get us back on track to where we need to be. And so uh, I praise God for it, even though it's hard to do, um, because uh, I have a better relationship now with the Lord than I've had in a couple of years. So yeah, Your son's name is Brody, right? Zane. Zane. Yeah. So I know you got a got a family and yeah you know god's not surprised no he's not wondering what's going to happen he already knows yeah you know but uh you got to stay faithful man yeah and uh, we'll be praying i have been praying for you thank you on a regular basis when i think about you i pray about you pray for you and um did you ever think that your life could be like it is like right now no nah, never i could have cared less i mean it was a day-to-day Where's my next fix? You know, where's my next high? And uh, today I have, every time my feet hit the floor, I have a purpose and a mission. So, so uh, what's next? I mean, do you have any, like, what's your future vision for the ministry? Do you, can you share anything with us? The vision from the get has always been from Mark 5, the demon-possessed man, uh, this is when I felt led to come back to Mountain Grove. I preached on it, taught on it, the demon-possessed man. But when I was in the lighthouse, I, we had missionaries pouring into us. And I wasn't married at the time. I'm like, man, I want to go to a jungle. And I want to tell indigenous people about Jesus Christ. And I signed up to go, and they said no. And uh, then I went on a local missions trip to St. Louis in the streets. And I'm like, oh, man, God could use me in the States to be a missionary. 
And then I read that word as I'm already director of the lighthouse, and um, Jesus pulls the demons out of the man, cleans them up. You know the story. And then he desires to get in the boat with Jesus and go over the sea. And Jesus told him, no, go back to your hometown and tell the people the great things the Lord has done for you. And that was my mission. That was my call. And I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Just as simple as that. And um, when you look it up in the Greek, it's the ten surrounding cities. And so I believe that there will be a mountain movie ministry in the ten surrounding cities. And eventually maybe to the nations. That's, that's, the, that's the command out of Matthew 28 to go to all nations. So um, that's that that's one day going to happen. The Bible says that the Word of God is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. Yeah. And I, I love that verse because, you know, the light only shows you, and you think about when it was written, you know, arguably five, six hundred years before Christ was born in the Psalms. What was a light, what was a light like mm. in the dark? Right. No street lights. Well, it would be a candle. And it would show you your next step. Right. And uh, it wouldn't show you any more than that. Right. The Word of God is a light to our feet. Amen. You know, and a lamp to our path. Yeah. And uh, if I give you this piece of paper, Jonathan, and I say, I want you to write out the next 12 months of your life. Mm. And then I tell you, fold it up, put it in an envelope, and open it 12 months later. It's not going to be the same. No. You know, so what do we do? For the future, well, the Word of God is a light to our feet yeah. and a lamp to our path. And um, it shows me the next right thing. Yeah, And God's going to take us where he wants us to be because what are we going to be doing? We're going to be following the, the light to our feet yeah. and a lamp to our path. Man. Amen. And uh, you, keep sh you keep following that light Amen. And, and that lamp, brother. Amen. And God's going to do great things. He's not done with you yet, man. Amen. Uh, I'm not Pentecostal. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, you know, I got brothers and sisters that are charismatic. I love them dearly, and I, we can learn a lot from some of them guys. They they got great faith, you know, and they love yeah. people. Uh, you know, secondary issues, whatever. But 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 I'm I'm not I'm not prophesying over you today. But yeah. what I am saying is, I believe that God's gonna do a miracle in you, mm. and uh, you're you're gonna have some time with us left to to do ministry. So. Mm. Don't uh, don't get too in a hurry, man, to Amen. go see Jesus. All right, Amen. we need you around Amen. here. <laughs> so, Amen. what's your biggest burden today, Jonathan? Briefly, what's your biggest burden? The liver. I mean, it's a it's a, it's easy to stand here and say yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's always looming, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'm not, it's kind of crazy because my wife, um, she was four months pregnant with her with her son, my son, when her husband had passed away of a heart attack. And uh, so when I got with her, her number one thing was fear. And I've been able to minister to her and say, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind. Now here I am trying to have to hold it steady. And uh, then there's those thoughts looming in the back of my mind, death, fear, you know, and, uh, but, that's I would have to say that that would be the biggest burden, and a bigger building, because <laughs> it's a problem. Everybody said, "Well, that's a good problem to have." Yeah, well, but it is a problem. 
you know, we definitely need a bigger building. So well, you start praying that, casting that vision, you're going to get one. Amen. They got to give you that building, man. Amen. Uh, if you got enough faith to move that mountain, you got enough faith to make it, have, have a building come. <laughs> Amen. You know what? Amen. Uh, one of the things that uh, I found in the Bible, and this is, some scholars say this, but there's, they say there's 365 fear knots in the Bible, mm. one for every day of the year. Amen. You know, God doesn't say you're not going to be afraid. Yeah. He says, don't fear because you are. Right. Being, walking with God's scary, man. Yeah, it is. And uh, he says in his word, basically paraphrase, I'm going to get you in situations only I can get you out of, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's walking with God one-on-one. And so if you're watching this and you're tuning in, listening, pray for Jonathan. Pray for the Mountain Moving Ministry. Yeah. Pray for Zane. Pray for his wife. Pray for his family. Pray that he get that building. Um, and so, are you happy? I am. I am. It's been a ride. You know, I know you said that he's not done with me yet, but if if, if that's what happened, I'll tell you what, he has blowed my ever-loving mind in 13 years. Things that, I don't know. The you book know. of Acts ends abruptly, and I know you probably heard this, but it's because I think the reason why, in my own opinion, is because we all get an opportunity to write a chapter in our own lives through uh, ink that only Jesus knows about. And whew, just things, it's pretty cool to be able to be used by God, to know that God in heaven, the star-breathing God, um, still wants to have something to do with us. It's pretty cool. I talked to a guy on the phone as I was coming in the door. His name's Pastor Billy. He's a retired pastor in Louisiana, God, godly man. They just sent his wife home uh, on hospice to pass away. Wow. And uh, I called him today. And, I mean, he's old enough to be my grandpa. You know, he's he's an older guy. And uh, I told him, I said, I don't know what it's like to sit next to my wife at home on hospice. And I don't know what it's like to have a fatty liver. Yeah. Um, but I do know one thing, that if you go to heaven today, you'll know more about Jesus than any Bible theologian on earth at that moment. <laughs> and if I could open a door and say, Jonathan, come back, I couldn't talk you into it. Absolutely not. Psalm 16 makes that promise that in the presence of God is a fullness of joy. Mm. And at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. Amen. And uh, that's a beautiful promise, brother. Amen. Um, in closing, is there anything you want to say? Anything you left out? No, I just, no, I got a bunch of friends. I know this is going to be able to go to the prisons, I just found out, right? Yeah. So um, I just want to tell you guys, if if you're struggling today, if you've got any burdens going on in your life, that and God can use you in there just as much as he can use me out here. He's got big plans um, for anybody who would call upon his name and would surrender their lives unto him, he will put you in situations to where you wouldn't think it. I got a buddy in there right now. He's supposed to be in solitary confinement. He surrendered his whole life to God. Now he gets to go out and share with multiple men about the goodness of God because he's being faithful to him in those confined moments. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Guys, if you've enjoyed One Broken Life, uh, would you do me a favor and subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, our podcast, 
and share this with your friends. We want to get the word out of what God is doing through broken people. This is also a production of Freeway Ministries, and so uh, this wouldn't be going on. We're here at the world headquarters. It wouldn't be going on without the support of Freeway Ministries. And so if you want to become a supporter, you can become a monthly supporter. You can go to freeway-ministries.com, and you can become a monthly supporter. You can be a one-time supporter and help us continue to, to reach broken people. So uh, until next time, this is John Stroop, One Broken Life. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Amen.